I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Hot Week podcast. I'm Fort Week editor Matthew Appleby, and today I'm talking to horticulturalist Chris Collins. So, welcome, Chris. How are you doing? I'm very well, Matthew. Thanks for inviting me along. Now, you're um, ex Westminster Abbey head gardener, and uh, I am. <laughs> so, and, and the coronation was there recently. So, um, what do you, what do you think uh, you would, if you were still there, what would you be doing to prepare for the coronation? I would probably be, um, as head gardener, quite stressed about it all because it's <laughs> it's a major operation. I was actually there when the passing of the Queen Mother happened and um, they're kind of ready for it. There's this whole sort of plan goes, it's already been discussed and obviously, you know, we're very prepared people, aren't we, as a nation, and uh, especially in that sort of area. So I think there would have been a big plan, but there'd been a lot of re-turfing going on. There would have been a lot of planting. There would have been, there'd have been a preparation to give it this sort of... Yeah, what it deserves, really. It's obviously a national moment, isn't it? No, no, indeed. Now, going back a few years, you start your career in Brighton Parks. So, so um, what what do, you, what do you make of the sort of plight of parks at the moment? We've had recent local elections. Parks didn't really come up as too much of a, an issue. Trees did, but only sort of felling of trees. So, uh, but I mean, parks are going through the mill yet again. So, you know, what what's what's the solution? Well, I don't know. It breaks my heart, to be honest with you. Not that it's, there's two sides to this story, really. Is um, like I deal in my local park here, which is now run by volunteers. Um, the borough I live in doesn't even have a parks department anymore, which is quite significant if you look at it through the whole. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that care about it, uh, um, but maybe not <laughs> not the people who have the money in terms of you know where our taxes go, and there might be various reasons for that. I think that's really, really um, short-sighted. I think that if we're going to sort of talk about all the things that go on at the moment, biodiversity or weather and, and, and community, and I think parks have just sat there doing that, and they were when I joined all those years 
years ago. They were certainly the producers of the best gardeners I've ever worked with, and I'd say no shame in saying that, really, because they were the sort of characters who did it all their lives and did it professionally. Um, so I kind of think it's short-sighted. I, I don't want to undercut anybody who's working in a park, doing their best, like the volunteers I work with over the road. They're doing a great job, but I just, I'd love to see more investment in it. And it's interesting you say that. You're right, it didn't really come up um, in local elections, and um, I just find it a bit sad, Matthew, to be honest with you. Uh. No, no, indeed. Um, now, your garden organic head of horticulture. It seems to me that the you know the garden organic way is is getting wider acceptance. For instance, the RHS is talking about how it loves slugs and weeds. So, do, do you think that's true? That you know that 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 method is becoming more widely accepted. Well, I'm sure Lawrence Hills, uh, it was a bit of a, you know, he had, it was a bit of a genius in his own right because he was sort of practising this stuff that uh, has now suddenly become mainstream. I think that's a great thing. I think it is. I think I'd, um, also, I'm a realist. I don't want slugs eating all my lettuces on my hard-worked allotment. <laughs> so there is a balance to be had. There's no sort of cloud in the sky where it's all perfect. But I think uh, as a gardener... I think, oh, as gardeners, I'll talk generically for everyone who listens to this podcast and beyond, I think we are closer to nature than most people, um, and I think that's a privilege. I think that's an incredible privilege. So maybe we're a little bit, we are the custodians of it more than others. And so I, I'm, I'm very much for that. We uh, try to think about how we treat our plots or our parks or our back gardens. So it's a good thing. There's, you know, if, if we want to be... Oh, this is our t- totally what I think at the moment is... Um, I walked down the road the other day and there was someone digging up some celadine you know, plant minding its own business but wasn't wanted. And uh, I think maybe if it's not getting in your way, leave it. If it um, if you have to garden to resolve it, then fair enough. No, I think there's a lot of that going on at the moment. So uh, what, a, what about with Garden Organic? What are you working on at the moment? Well, lots of stuff. I mean, it's an interesting organisation. The reason I like it um, is because it's very community-based. Garden is a community um adhesive if you like I, I really love I love two things I love gardening and I love gardeners and the garden organic kind of brings that together so we've been doing all the gardeners world stuff we're also doing the master composter stuff so we're, in, we're dealing with local communities local authorities where we go out and teach about recycling green waste etc obviously community gardeners uh, master gardeners so we're very much a, a, an organisation we're sort of talking to parks a little bit you mentioned them so it's about going out and, and imparting knowledge and then hoping that knowledge is then imparted further it's hopefully like a domino effect of, of caring about this stuff and I quite like that I, I, I'm sure well, you know we are um, naturally gardeners are quite sociable people friendly people and uh, the word can't go far enough as far as I'm concerned and then in return for that as an industry as a, as a, as a profession we all benefit hopefully oh cool now many people will remember you as the Blue Peter Gardener and uh, National Children's Garden Week 27th of May to 4th of June so what, what do you think of the state of, of school gardening, children's gardening at the moment? And, um, you know, what are you what are you working on in those fields at the moment? Well, I, I literally just got back from Malvern, where I've spent the last three days working with the school gardens there. What a laugh, Matthew. I just have such a great time doing it. It's just such good fun. And I think, actually, yeah, when I started Blue Peter, well, I finished Blue Peter when 2014, started 2004, there'd been massive progress on uh, on getting it into, um, into schools and into 
you know what gardening's like. It, it, it hits so many buttons, doesn't it? Education, health, fitness, teamwork. So it's come a long way. And the fact that the RHS um, display it, um, Morven display it, and, all it, and gardeners will get involved in it, the fact that it's up and out there is, I think, it's a tremendous achievement. And I'm, my little involvement in it, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of that. And I think that that's the way forward. You know, at the end of the day, it's, um, these are our future gardeners. They'll keep us going. And I think there's been a lot of progress made. And I did also, I have to say this, have a right laugh being a blue peter gardener they were always um they were always shrinking me down and putting me in gardens in a green room you know so i've been a buddhist monk i've been father christmas uh, i was even the ghost on scooby-doo matthew at one point and i got to say i would have got away with it for them pesky kids and uh but i think yeah it's great it's been embraced by the rhs has been certainly i work with it on the with garden uh, with garden organic i work with iss education which is a big global facilitator they do lots of stuff in schools about healthy eating i work with veg power and so there's all this big movement that I think when I started in 2004 with Blue Peer, that wasn't necessarily there and it's not down to me because everybody lots of people have got involved but I'm, I'm quite proud of my, to me it feels like a bit of a legacy to be honest with you, if that's not too egotistical. No, no, well I well remember your uh, your Dalek um, <laughs> your Doctor Who Dalek uh, yeah, well, I mean you've got any other favourite favorite memories from, from your time at Blue Peter you're very kind of uh, uh, inspirational then and uh, imaginative Yeah, well I think what, I've worked in various telly as you know, I worked, you know I had different roles in television um, um, and um, the thing is about Blue Peter is if you work in normal telly they, what happens is you go along and the producer and the director they say we want you to do this and we want you you know you're kind of told sort of what's going to go happen whereas with Blue Peter they'd come to you and they'd say uh what should we do? So you kind of felt like you had a bit of control over it. And so that was quite hilarious. I remember once, obviously, because I spent time in Japan, I said, I'll tell you what, let's do a thing on Eastern Gardens. So, so I did this little mini sort of landscape of a, of, a, of a Japanese garden. And then so then they shrank me down, dressed me as a Buddhist monk, shrank me down and put me in the garden from a green screen. That was pretty special. But there was this big flow as well. I was talking about composting. You mentioned Daleks, uh, composters, where they would just say to the kids, where can we sell, send Chris next? That's really smelly so i did this whole thing about <laughs> this whole thing when i was in like re- re- recycling centers i was oh, i just got stupid <laughs> but it was good fun no, no. Well, I remember um, making your idea with my, with, with, with your permission for for a book I did about kids gardening. So you you are yeah. you are known as one of the most generous and nice people <laughs> in, in horticulture. Oh, that's very kind I, of you. I, I thought I better better get that in. So nah. have, have you got what plans have you got with with kids coming up? Have you got any sort of children's garden plans coming up? Any projects? Well, obviously, I'll be working at Malvern and there, so I'll be there next week doing with them. I, I'm I'm doing this thing called uh, Tomato uh, Tastic, or it might change its name. But I don't know if you're aware of Veg Power. They've been this big sort of healthy eating campaign. Well, like, last year I did this thing called Tomato Tastic, where we, in Edinburgh we got five thousand kids involved in schools. Well, we got them grow to tomatoes right through to recipes, so seed to plate. Well, that's going on again this year, and that that's gone to Wales, I think. Either it's kind of gone to the home countries, and uh, and it's going to be much much bigger. So I've just done a shot load of videos for them. It's simple stuff. You know, as well as me, you grow a plant from seed, you're going to be a gardener for the rest of your days, and that's what it's about. It's about thinking about where your food comes from, but just that pure pleasure of just taking a tiny, tiny seed, putting it in some soil, and watching it turn into a plant, and then feeding you. I just, you know, it's not rocket science, it's just good fun. No, brilliant. Now, you mentioned Japan, and you've done quite a lot of work overseas. So what inspiration have you drawn from your, your travels to bring back into gardening in the UK? 
You know what? I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest impression for me is how respected we are as British gardeners when I go to these places. So if I go to, I went to Cameroon for a year, say, first of all, I went there to research a dissertation as part of my um, um, qualifications at Edinburgh Botanics. And then I came, at the end of that, they offered me an internship. So we were doing quite meaty work. It's like the oldest, you find out so much about how the depth of British horticulture is. The oldest botanic garden in Africa is in Limbe in Cameroon. And then we were renovating it, Q were involved. And then you go to Japan, where we're just idolised as gardeners. And this is the truth. I worked in a department store selling the concept of uh, British gardening in the department store. I was the first guy to, um, and they'll tell you this, to bring in um, David Austin roses. I got 80 of them. We were the first in to bring in them. And I was selling books. I was selling trowels. We were, it, it, all, the whole concept, the, 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 um, the cultural part of British gardening. And the Japanese couldn't get enough of it. We, we were making up, you know, I, I could have worked seven, eight, nine, ten days a week. And I kind of think that we were revered there. So I came back far more secure in the knowledge that... Um, we're quite good at what we do, mate. I can't really say it fairer than that. No, no, fair enough. And uh, you've got an allotment and you're an urban gardener. So uh, what, what do you think, what, what's your view on the, the sort of state of allotments at the moment? They've been uh, very popular during lockdown and grow your own with sort of food crisis at the moment. Everybody wants to grow their own this year. Um, so uh, you, 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 we're in spring now. I guess you're you're working pretty hard on it. They're quite um, are quite allotments are one of the most interesting things you can garden. You're an allotment here as well. You you know how I think they're so sensitive to what's going on because they're quite demanding spaces. So I'll give you an example. This year I, I drill sowed everything a couple of weeks ago. It's been really slow to go because temperatures are quite cool. So last year it was really dry. I had an abundance of aubergine and tomatoes and peppers. And, so they kind of measure what's happening. So they they kind of focus your horticulture. I think there's one little difficulty with it is um it's kind of portrayed as being much easier than it is through through media outlets etc and i see people turn up on my site and they and they so they turn up they look so enthusiastic and then uh, uh 10 tons of mare's tail and cooch grass later they're kind of they're kind of on their way so i kind of think that um maybe we should be a, a bit more realistic about those sites and what what can happen on them to make to, to so you don't put people off so they turn up do it and then go again but in terms of um you asked me about garden organic all my practices on there are organic um, I don't believe it's uh, um, something you can just speak about. You need to be practising it. That's where the proof is. I get a lot of good food off it. It tastes incredible. But I am down there at least 20 hours a week this time of year on top of my job. So that gives you an idea. Crikey, 20 hours a week. I wish I, I could spend I, I need to. I've got a lot of weeds. Um, so, but, but maybe they're just plants in the wrong place. Um, but um, t- 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 tell me what's going to grow well on the allotments this year. What, what, are, you, what are you particularly um, growing this year? Well, I think because of all this, to me, it's felt like a real April. I've been, I think I've been out, well, this is my 38th season as a, as a horticulturist on the ground. This felt like a, that wet, cool winds. I reckon it's going to be bumpier beans, salad crops, those temperate crops, I think. Last year was hot in uh, this time of year, so the sort of uh, the, all those plants didn't do quite as well. It was all more aubergines, Mediterranean. But I think it's going to be a bumpier for, for brassicas, for runner bean, French bean all those, that sort of stuff. I think we're going to have a, a, a more traditional year, I think, this year. Oh, yeah. What, what sort of changes have you seen over your years uh, watching people garden on, on, you know, on community spaces like that? 
Well, it's, there's two kind of sides to it. There's a load of old boys. I live in a, um, a bit of North London, which is uh, which is traditionally very Sepritic from the uh, the war in Cyprus in the fifties. A lot of them came, so they all uh, they're very good on the heritage variety. So they all pass their beans down the line, and so there's this big sort of kind of them that all swap seeds. I love all that. That's brilliant, and the plants they produce brilliant. But there's this new wave of people coming through who are environmentally concerned who want to grow their own, who have all these good intentions. But I think maybe lacking the uh, the proper information to be pretty good at it. You understand? There's a disparity sometimes between the image of it and... <laughs> I've made, I've an allotment covered in mare's tail. If I'm not there for a month, I've lost that, I've lost that allotment. So there's a realistic angle to it as well. Personally speaking, I think it's great that people are getting involved, that people want those sites and people want to go down and try this stuff. That can only be beneficial to us all, I think. No, 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 brilliant. Okay. Now you're always you've always got lots of projects on. Whenever I see you, you always you've always got a lot on. So what what um, events, shows, projects have you, have you got coming up for the rest of this year? Well, I think it's going to be a big gardener's world, uh, um, yeah, this year. So I've just got back from Bewley. Uh, which I had a great time, very relaxed show. I know it's a new thing, but it's really the beautiful new forest. I really enjoyed that. Obviously, the veg power stuff. I'll be very busy. This is going to be quite interesting. I'm working with ISS Education, which is normally involved with schools and primary schools. Been, that's been going on for years. Um, but as a result of that, they're not they're doing now is, is all that since COVID, they want to get into corporate, into the, all the, um, getting into offices, maybe using balconies and spaces. So that's kind of all bubbling away. And I hope that works because that's that's um, would be really interesting. Um, obviously, Morvan's there. Um, I'll be doing that. Um, what else am I up to? I've just built a garden, Matthew, and you'll be glad to hear at the prime age of 50, I still can't walk properly after doing it, and that was last week. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd keep my hand in. <laughs> Wait, where does all these aches come from that I never had before? So it's very varied. I'm doing a lot of talks. I'm in Kent next week. I've just come back from Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, anyone wants to talk? Uh, I'm running around the country doing them. I do a year at Westminster Abbey. That's really popular. I'm not doing a plug here, but I'm just saying that people like to hear this stuff, and uh, and I enjoy delivering it. Oh, brilliant. Um, just talking of schools, gardens, you know, thinking of my kids' school, you know, it kind of suffered during lockdown, um, you know, it got overgrown. Uh, do you think they've, they've bounced back or, or are there still schools, gardens, which, you know, haven't really come back to what they were pre-lockdown? Well, I, this is Im- quite important, I'm going to say now, is uh, if, you, if you've got the support and the finance and the parental backing, you can build a really beautiful garden at a school and get the right people in to look after it. But to be honest with you, that's not how schools work, really. I keep my projects really simple, short and simple. And I keep them... Uh, I, the, my main priority when I do them in school is the teacher. Because if the teacher doesn't buy into it, it's not going on at the children. So you could do little things like pizza wheels... Dalek composters. Um, I do like uh, mini allotments where you can just. I, I do all recycled stuff where you get four old mushroom pallets or tomato pallets, and then you grow like rocket and um, pea shoots, and you can put them on the windowsill. And so I'm not taking up masses of their time. I'm just trying to engage them in uh, in the act of being a gardener. And but if I can buy it into the curriculum as well, so I don't. You don't need to aim huge. They've got so much to do already in terms of... I was, a lot, I was with Morven yesterday, they're all doing stats, and they're under quite a lot of pressure schools. So just keep it small, simple, and concise, I think. And always when I speak in a school, I speak to the kids, I have a great laugh with them, but I'm kind of talking to the teachers mostly, because if I need them to buy in as well. That's great advice. Now, just looking ahead, 
I'm always asking people for trends and predictions. Um, you know, you, you, you get around the country a lot, you see what's going on. So what, what are your trends and predictions for um, horticulture? Well, I think this, the whole biodiversity thing is only going to get greater, I think. And, it, and it's a bit of an odd one as a garden because it, it's, a, you know, it, it, it's not about abandoning its space. It's about managing the space different. But I think the whole pressure of the environmental aspects and stuff, and, you know, there's politics around that as well. But I, I kind of think that um, embracing the wildlife on your spaces or in your community spaces, or et cetera, is... I can't see that decreasing. I think that's kind of where it's going. What I really love to see, and this is what needs a renaissance, is a is a training of amenity gardeners again. All the you know, the, you mentioned parks earlier. I just think that we uh, we need a renaissance with all that. We need people who, who who know how to propagate, who know how to take care of spaces, etc. And then you can bring in new biodiversity because you've got the people to sort of to know what to do. So I just I think the whole biodiversity thing is only going to get bigger at the moment. I really do. That's some. Uh... Some wise predictions there. Now, we always end up in the Hort Week podcast by asking our guests what their favourite plant is, what plant they would take to a desert island. So, Chris, what is your favourite plant? What plant <laughs> would you end up stranded on a desert island with? Well, I don't know if it would survive there, but this is, um, this, I get asked, ironically, you ask me about schools, I get asked this, this is, you know, quite a lot. And uh, when I'm in a school, and, uh, it'd have to be Betula pendula. Betula pendula or copinus, um, a native, beautiful trees. And the reason is that is when I was abroad, and I was abroad for nearly six years, when I got homesick, I used to always think about those two trees, and then I'd come back home and I'd see them, and it was, I was home. It's a very kind of, you know what gardening's like. Every week I've got a new favourite plant, but deep down in my soul, betula pendula every time. Ah, fantastic choice. Well, thank you very much to Chris Collins. It's been great speaking to you. I'm Matthew Appleby, Hort Week Editor, and this is the Hort Week Podcast. And make sure you never miss a Hort Week Podcast. Subscribe to or follow via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. And once again, thanks to Chris Collins and goodbye until next time. <laughs>